want to take a special moment to spend with the children, both those who are here and those who are worshiping at home. Hopefully one of these days soon we'll be able to gather back up here, but I can see you and I can imagine you through the camera, so I'm glad to have a little minute with you this morning. How many of you have ever memorized a Bible verse? Yeah, lots of people here have memorized a Bible verse. One of my favorites and one of the easiest ones to memorize is two words, Jesus wept. So that's one. And that's an important one, too, because it reminds us that Jesus had feelings and that he cried, too, like we cry sometimes. But one of the most memorized verses in all of the Bible is one that Mr. Brandt just read. John three sixteen. Some of you can say it with me. Now, we may say it in the King James Version or the Revised Standard Version or the New Revised Standard Version, but let's see if we can say it together in whatever version you memorized it. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave the only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. My favorite part of that verse is the very beginning. God so loved the world. God loves the whole world. God loves the world so much that God gave God's very self in Jesus to be with us. So that's a reminder to me that God loves each and every one of us and God loves everyone unconditionally and God loves this whole world so much and God is with us in everything. So when you go home, if you don't know that verse by heart yet, ask your parents and maybe they can help you learn it too. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for loving us and not just loving us and not just loving our family and not just loving the church, but loving everybody and loving the whole universe. Thank you for Jesus who helps to show the world your love and thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us feel and share your love. May we receive and give your love today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when I learned that verse in vacation Bible school when I was a child, what I didn't learn was when Jesus said it and to whom he said it. Every verse that we memorize has a context has a story that goes all around it. And John 3.16 is something that Jesus said in the middle of a conversation. He was talking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Now, to get a little bit of the context of this conversation, I want to back up a little bit. John's gospel is very different from the other three gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story of Jesus. Most of it happens in Galilee, up north. And then at the end of the gospel, Jesus makes one trip to Jerusalem. And that's where he gets in trouble with the religious authorities and is ultimately crucified and rises from the dead. But in John's gospel, Jesus makes several trips to Jerusalem. 
And his first trip to Jerusalem is right at the very beginning in chapter 2 of John's gospel. And right at the beginning of the gospel, Jesus goes into the temple in Jerusalem and turns over the tables and stirs up all kinds of trouble. And it's after that happens in chapter 2 that Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a leader of the Jewish people, a member of the Sanhedrin, the high council, comes to talk to Jesus. I would imagine that most of Nicodemus' colleagues are not happy with Jesus at this point. He's already on their radar. He's already a threat. They're already talking about ways to get rid of him. But for some reason, Nicodemus has a different attitude about Jesus. He comes to Jesus at night because there's so much at stake for him. He has a lot to lose. If his colleagues in the Sanhedrin were to see him talking with Jesus, he might lose his status, he might lose respect in the community, he might lose his job. And yet he goes anyway. He goes to Jesus under the cover of night because it seems that Nicodemus has seen something in Jesus that is of God. He sees that, that God is at work in this man named Jesus. And he says so at the very beginning of the conversation. He says, we know that you have come from God because of the amazing works that you do. Now, I don't know if Nicodemus is just speaking for himself and saying we, or if there are others of his colleagues who, who sent Nicodemus on their behalf. But he begins by saying, I recognize the spirit of God at work in you. And then Jesus engages him in this conversation that is confusing. It's confusing to Nicodemus. It's confusing to me. He and Nicodemus seem to be talking about different things. Because Jesus starts to say, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born anew, born from above, born again. And Nicodemus is just thinking literally. He says, I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb and be born again physically? And Jesus says, no, you need to be born of the Spirit. And even so, after more conversation with Jesus, Nicodemus doesn't seem to get it. The last thing we hear him say in this story is, how can these things be? He's left confused and doubting and questioning and then he just sort of fades from the story for a while. And, and many of us too are left confused and wondering what is Jesus talking about? What does it mean to be born from above, to be born again? Now there's one school of thought in our Christian family that talks about being born again in a particular way. That, that there's a moment in our lives, these friends would say, when, when you accept Jesus, when you are converted, when you, when you have a 180 degree turn and you become a new person in Christ. And there are many people who can point to the day when that happened in their lives. And it does happen that way for many people. I remember meeting a pastor in South Africa whose, whose story of conversion was more amazing than any I had ever heard before. He shared with us how early in his life he was not a nice person. 
and he eventually ended up in prison for theft. And it was one day in his prison cell when someone had brought him a Bible, and he was reading the Bible by himself when he felt the Spirit of God and the love of God claiming him and forgiving him and loving him, and he got down on his knees and he gave his life to God. And as he left prison, he felt this nudging of the Spirit to go and and knock on the door of a church. And so he did, and the pastor opened the door and said, I've been waiting for you. I was praying this morning, and, and God nudged me and said, there's someone coming today who needs a companion. I'd never heard a story like that before, of that kind of radical conversion of someone's life and two people brought together by the Holy Spirit who could then walk forward in the faith and both of them became involved in the struggle against apartheid and helped to transform that country. So it happens that way sometimes, that kind of rebirth. But for many of us, myself included, it's not quite so radical. It's not quite that 180 degree change experience. Like many of you, I was baptized as a baby. And when we baptize a baby in this congregation, We place the water on their heads and we baptize them. And then as a congregation, we pray for the Holy Spirit to work within them, that being born through water and the Spirit, they may become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And that's what we believe happens in baptism, even the baptism of a baby. So that's the beginning, the initiation of this journey. And maybe what Jesus is inviting us into in this conversation with Nicodemus is to consider being born again and again and again. Teaching us that the Holy Spirit will continually renew us and change us and stretch us. No, Nicodemus, you don't have to go back into your mother's womb, but you do have to repeatedly unlearn a few things and let go of some things. And maybe the journey of faith is is about unlearning in order to be reborn One of my dearest friends is a professor in the religion department at Belmont University, and she invites me from time to time to come and speak to her students. I think, I think she wants them to see a woman preacher, <laughs> that we really do exist. Some of the students have never experienced a, a woman pastor. But she invites me to tell my story, and I've realized the way that I've organized the telling of my story is around these moments of unlearning these experiences in my life which have caused me to let go of what I thought I knew about God in order to embrace a deeper understanding, a broader understanding of God's love. I share the story of the the boy I dated in high school. 
And up until then, I had this understanding of God, of everything happens for a reason, and, and God sort of makes everything happen in our lives. And then when this boy I was dating suddenly died in a car accident, all of those ideas of how I thought God worked dissolved. I had a deep abiding sense of God's love and God's presence that was unshaken. But my understanding about God's will changed. And then I went off to college and and became friends with with people of other faiths, friends who were Jewish and, and Buddhist and agnostic, and I began to consider that perhaps God was even bigger than my understanding of who God was. I could tell story after story, and I'm still learning and being stretched and unlearning and having to let go of what I thought I knew. If you're like me, and your journey has been one of being renewed again and again and again, then we have our patron saint in Nicodemus. When we leave him in this moment in the third chapter of John, he's, you know, scratching his head. He doesn't know what to do with what Jesus has said. And he leaves by night. But he comes back again two more times in the gospel. He comes back again a few chapters later when the Sanhedrin is meeting and they're talking about arresting Jesus and getting rid of Jesus. And Nicodemus stands up to speak. And he says, is it in our law to condemn someone before they have had a trial? It's not the most radical thing to say. It's not the boldest thing he could have done, but it's a step It's greater courage, and he's speaking out on Jesus' behalf in the daylight in front of the Sanhedrin. And then at the end of the gospel, it is Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who take Jesus' body off the cross and anoint him for burial like a family member would do. By the end of the story, it seems Nicodemus, in broad daylight, is claiming Jesus as his savior. His is a journey, a gradual awakening. And no doubt, even by the end of the Gospel of John, it's not over. There is more that he will learn and more ways that he will have to unlearn. So in some ways, it's good news and bad news that God is not finished with us yet. It feels like bad news sometimes because there's more growing to do. There's more work that needs to be done. God is going to continue to stretch us and challenge us, not just as individuals, but as a church and as a denomination and as a society. Our work is not done. We have to continue the work. But the good news is that God isn't finished with us yet. We are not who we once were. Thanks be to God. And we are not yet who we will be. Thanks be to God. God is with us all the way. Amen.